Greetings and welcome to the broadcast. I am here today with my brother, Dave, and I love him. He is a funny guy. Uh, I met him uh, because his show, uh, Gifts for Glory, which is a great name in itself, is on Creative Motion Network. So shout out to Kristen and uh, Kevin Collier. Uh, for hosting both of our shows. We love you guys. We're very grateful uh, to have the opportunity to share because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ and Him crucified. So Dave, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And um, you know, hopefully uh, we'll be in the top 10 together again this week on the Creative Motion Network. You know, I absolutely love that they do that. I love that they do the awards annual and they do so much to help us broadcasters to be able to sound the alarm and encourage folks out there that mm -hmm. uh, want to hear more about Christ. And if you guys are wanting to know more about Dave, I encourage you for sake of time. I'm not going to read off his bio because it's, it's in depth, but it's really good. It's really good. I actually, there were some things in there I did not know about him as far as his past. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk a little bit about what God's doing currently in his life and ways that you can reach out to him. Uh, and because he is a comedian and he is a very good comedian. See, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that are listening to this on audio, you cannot see his mannerisms, but they're way fun, way fun. So Dave, what brought you into the whole comedy scene? Well, it uh, really is rooted in the fact that I was, uh, I've always been somebody that likes to be the center of attention and uh, likes to uh, entertain people, even as a young kid. Yeah, I, I loved hearing, you know, my parents laughter, hearing my parents' friends laughing at things. Uh, and it was always just a, a really fun thing to do uh, to just brighten a room and hear people laugh. And uh, I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but it became uh, part of uh, my testimony because I used comedy uh, for many years to, to hide depression. And it was kind of a defense mechanism and a, a way to hide in plain sight uh, mm -hmm. for many years. And uh, But now God's redeeming it and using it uh, uh, to... Uh, to uh, still brighten a room, but also to do so in a way that uh, points people to him. I absolutely love that. And, you know, I have heard this over the years, so many. It reminds me of the old Smokey Robinson song, The Tears of a Clown When No mm -hmm. One's Around. Do you find this to be, I mean, I know like Robin Williams, he's probably one of the most well-known comedians, incredibly talented man who dealt with uh, areas of depression. Do you see this a lot with people smiling on the outside, bleeding on the inside? Yeah, remarkably, there are a lot of comedians, um, especially in the secular world, uh, that have uh, um, fought depression, fought the, the ideas of, of suicide. And um, a lot of their comedy is born out of that pain and that darkness. Um, so it, it's not as rare as you think. Uh, like you said, Tears of a Clown, you think that, oh, their laughter and their joy is coming from a place of hope and joy which many, many uh, comedians do have that place. Um, right. But a lot uh, a lot more than you think come from a place of, of pain and, and darkness and, and depression. Yeah, unfortunately, it is something that, you know, people deal with on a regular basis. And I know, um, I already know I want to have you back in September because I want to go real deep into that. I want to, okay. you know, Suicide Awareness Month. And I know that you struggled with thoughts of suicide. And uh, have you been a Christ follower all your life? Or did you have this life transforming thing that happened to you later on in life? Or can you share a little bit of that? Sure. Um, I uh, first accepted Christ as a sixth grader at summer camp. 
I remember uh, walking home or walking back to the cabin after our uh, nightly devotions. And, and I said that little sinner's prayer, Jesus, uh, come into my heart. Uh, I want to, you know, I want to follow you. And unfortunately, it never, uh, I never really got discipled as a kid. So it was like I said the prayer, went to church, thought that, you know, there's a good chance I could get into heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I didn't have that discipleship, I didn't have, really a full understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. I, that's where the enemy was able to, to get in there and lead me into that uh, place of depression because I didn't know how to fight it. I didn't know how to deal with it spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so um, depending on your theology, you could say I was saved and walked away and I've come back, or you could say I was never saved. I don't know. I know that I am, I'm saved. I'm with Christ now. Um, and that, um, confirmation or, or that um, that moment happened in 2013 when uh, I was about 32 uh, years old and I was living in a, a single bedroom studio apartment that uh, was the size of most people's closets and you know the depression was really raging hard and I was battling um, on a daily basis to find value and I, at the same time, it's, it's really weird. I was also warming up to the idea of following Christ and really for the first time pursuing something w- with Jesus and, and following God. And I, I always describe it as being kind of on this mountaintop where I reached this peak where I could either go left and uh, go ahead and just take my life and, uh, and the pain, or I could go right and give my life uh, to the Lord. And obviously I chose uh, right and I decided, all right, Lord, I'm going to try this. Um, I'm going to try this and see what happens. And it really, um, it culminated at one morning. I was late for work. I was walking to work and happened to pass by a couple of kids who were uh, passing out tracks and, and just doing some street evangelism. But they had no reason to be there. It was a very low populated area on a Saturday morning. No one really there for them to witness to. But I believe it was a it was a God appointment because they stopped me, asked me if I needed to pray and things like that. And I, I blew them off because I was late for work, sure. but they handed me a tract and I, uh, I accepted it, went to work, came home and was like, okay, God, you're trying to get my attention. What do I do? And I dove into uh, Rick Warren's purpose driven life, started reading the Bible. And I ended up uh, realizing that comedy was still something that I'm supposed to do just the purpose and the motivation behind it is supposed to be changed. It was no longer something for me to hide behind, but it's something for me to reveal who he is. Mm. Oh, wow. That's so incredibly good. I want to piggyback on a few things you said. I'm going to go back to whenever you were in the sixth grade, because I'm passionate about middle school, high school ministry and things like that. You said something very important. You said something that I was not discipled. Uh, If you all are watching this, I want you to stop and consider the people that you're pouring into and um, the importance of the discipleship relationship, because Mm -hmm. things could if had you had that support system, that accountability, that teaching, Things could have turned out different, but yet God knows exactly when we're going to totally surrender and we're going to say, okay, here I am. Use me in my mess and turn your mess into a message. Now you did some pro or some wrestling, right? Right. (laughs) I never knew that. Okay. So I never knew that. So talk about that a little bit. How'd you get involved in that? Was that something you did in high school and then ventured off as an adult? How'd that go down? 
it in high school I became a fan. I started I was flipping TV channels and came across uh, a, this moment, and it's really weird. It was this big old country girl uh, standing in the in the audience, and Ric Flair is walking down because Ric Flair, you know, for many many years he was just like the epitome of pro wrestling. He had the robes, he had you know the 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 flair. I mean that's his name, but he, he had all this thing that made you like made your eyes gravitate to the screen. And as he's walking down, he's, you know, John with the, with the fans. And there's this big old country girl that says, I kick your butt, Ric Flair. And I was like, wait a second. And it just, it caught my attention. I started watching and I got hooked to watching it. Now, how, how did I go from becoming a fan to a wrestler? In college, I met a couple of guys that were part of a, a backyard wrestling group, which you, you hear the, the horror stories of, of some of the backyard, you know, groups that, do all the crazy stuff where they bleed and they hurt each other and they injure each other. This was more or less playing pickup basketball. We were just hanging out, telling stories and wrestling, uh, protecting each other. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, through at that same time, I was also a DJ at a radio station. So I, I was getting a little bit of the fundamentals of how to tell the story as a wrestler. And uh, at the radio station, we were promoting a show that was coming to town uh, with some pretty big wrestling names. And the guy said, hey, why don't we have one of the DJs at the radio station come be a part of the show as a cross promotion? And you know, the other guys, they are married or whatever. Like, no, 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 that's, that, you know, we won't do it. But hey, Dave will. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Because yeah, I was doing the backyard thing. So I had a little experience. Um, so, uh, the promoter said, sure, come on down. And, uh, most guys, when they think of a DJ on a radio station, they're thinking the real thin Howard Stern looking guy, you know, not very, not as pretty as me. Um, and definitely not as big as me. And so when, and at that point, you know, that was much bigger. I was actually well over 500 pounds back then. When I showed up, the guy was like, yes, we can use this. Cause you know, you know, six foot two, 500 pounds. I looked like a giant that might be able to hurt somebody. So it worked. And then, uh, you know, I started doing wrestling matches for that group and it was just another outlet of me entertaining people. Um, it was most of my stuff was, you know, had to do with comedy or, or acting goofy and, and getting the crowd involved. And it was just a lot of fun. And, uh, um, my wife is actually very thankful. I'm no longer in a wrestling because my clothes fit better now. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. It was just a way to, and it was actually very much along the lines of improv, you know, improv, which I do now, uh, it's telling a story based on the audience, based on, uh, the, the people I'm in the ring with, it was all improvised, uh, to tell a story. So it was just a lot of fun and it really translated well into uh, a comedy career. I love it. I love it because it is a form of entertainment. I have two sons and my oldest son, he was into it. And I was like, oh gosh, it made me crazy. You know, I couldn't <laughs> stand it. It was like, it was like soap operas for guys. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's really kind of what it was. And so I get tickled uh, even today. Occasionally he'll mention something about the wrestling stuff. So that's super exciting that God allowed you to do that. But yet all of this time, it's like he was pursuing you to find your true identity. And yeah. you had the opportunity to be these things to these people. But yet God was still pursuing your heart. I love that. How many years did you do that? 
I was in pro wrestling for about eight years. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. So then you were ready for new beginnings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is the the old adage is a pro wrestler never retires. It just gets longer between their matches. Uh, and, okay. And every so often I get this itch like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to go back out and do another match. And it's at that point, God kind of um, does to me what he did to Jacob. He kind of twi- tweaks my knee and not necessarily my hip, but he tweaks my knee. He's like, hey, wait a minute. You're you're 40 now. You need to calm down and not worry about going out there in tights and hitting people with chairs. And he's like, do comedy. It's much safer. Well, you know, there is a lot to be said about the how the two of them are parallel because it is to entertain and that's your doing. I love what God has got you doing now. So well-versed comedy. Uh, talk a little bit about that, because I think a lot of people need laughter. You know, laughter is a good medicine. Mm -hmm. And I love to laugh, especially those deep belly laughs that release all those endorphins. It's such an amazing thing how God created us to laugh. Talk a little bit about Wellverse. Yeah, uh, Wellverse started off, we had a different name when we first started uh, in uh, the uh, spring of 2013. So it's been almost, it's been nine years since we started. And um, it's all about, uh, we've used the hashtag, uh, hashtag OGHG which stands for our gifts for his glory. Mm. And, uh, you know, the comedies uh, preceded uh, the podcast and everything else that, that I do. And the whole idea is that people can come together. Even the, the most radical of strangers can come together. And if they laugh together, there's some connection that happens uh, on a spiritual level and on an emotional level where if you're in a room full of people and you're laughing with them, you're not, you're no longer strangers. You're no longer alone. Um, laughter is truly a gift that brings people together. It's also a gift that helps break down walls because if you're able to laugh, it tears down a lot of the, uh, the facades that people put up. Uh, they're no longer afraid to be spoken to. They're no longer afraid to be seen. And it, it tills the soil so that God can implant a, a new seed and a new word or a, a new message. And, the, the, the great thing about comedy is you talk about the belly laugh. When you have a really good belly laugh, one of the natural instincts is to kind of rock your head back. And when you rock back, your head go, your eyes go up yeah. and they focus on God. And I think that's by design. I think that, that you, you think about the different things that we do as humans. Like when we celebrate something, we raise our hands towards heaven. When we have a good hearty laugh, we raised our eyes towards heaven. I and, and I don't think that's a mistake. I think that's God's design. And I think he designed laughter like any gift we, uh, we see in the world. It, it's sometimes misused and abused for, for non-righteous things. Right. But I think that at the root of it, laughter was a gift uh, just like sex and all these other things. They're designed for a specific purpose to glorify and honor God. Yeah. And you know, that's what we do with well-versed comedies. We, we're an improv troupe and we don't do biblical improv. Like we don't like take hey James chapter three, we're going to improvise this because we don't want to ever get in the point where we mishandle the word, uh, whether it's on accident or, or ignorance. Uh, we just do clean comedy that everybody can come and laugh together. And, you know, hopefully um, whether we uh, speak a word, whether we have a speaker following us or it's just, the ability to laugh and kind of let the world fall away for, for an hour. 
we use comedy to minister to people to let them know there's more than what you're seeing. There's more than what you're struggling. And it's okay to kind of let those burdens down. And that's what we do. It, and it's so much fun, especially when you have those moments where you know that somebody's come in carrying the burdens of the world and you see them just fall off. You see them hit the ground. You see the shoulders come up. You see the eye, you know, the, the brow become unfurrowed. It it's such an amazing experience, especially when you see people get that needed respite from the burdens of the world. Man, that is so good because it is, I, there is nothing um, more important. You know, I'm a whole spirit, soul and body person. I deal mostly with the soulish realm with emotions and, you know, will and, and stuff like that. But the physical body needs laughter. Uh, it changes everything. It changes your, your, emotions it changes how you respond to the world it releases so much and you get to see that in the audience as like you said their countenance changes everything yeah. breaks down the walls break down it's just a common thing laughter is that good medicine y'all and i encourage you to check it out um you can go to wellversecomedy.com and uh save that website and look for that if you were looking for i'm, I'm assuming that you guys travel how far do you go out our basic area is the Chicagoland area as a team, um, but uh, I uh, I'm available to to travel wherever to to teach improv because improv is a powerful tool for ministry too. Because so often we get stuck in our own heads and we're worried about I cannot witness to this person because if I say the wrong thing, I'm dooming them to hell. No, you're not. You don't have that. that that's not your burden. But sometimes we get so locked in our head, and improv can kind of unlock that. And it's kind of a, um, I call it a Luke 12 philosophy where Jesus is talking and he's saying, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're pulled before the authorities and, and the religious leaders, trust in the Holy Spirit. And part of trusting in the Holy Spirit is stepping out of the way and, and speak and allowing him to speak through you. He's not going to take over your tongue and make you say things. You're not a puppet, but right. he's going to inspire you. And also, here, here's a plain fact. Even if you say the wrong words, if you do it out of the right heart, the Holy Spirit can still work through that. Um, yes. I don't know if you've ever talked to a minister, and the, most ministers will tell you that they've given sermons before where six months later, somebody will say, hey, when you said this during that sermon, it spoke to me. And the pastor's like, I never said those words. But it's the Holy Spirit using the willing vessel of the pastor to speak what needs to be heard into the heart of the person that needs to hear it. And that's you know what we do with comedy. That's what we encourage people through improv to do in their everyday lives is just to be that willing vessel and let the Holy Spirit deal with the results. Amen. Amen. I love that because God can take our mistakes and change it and form it and put it in the, that way where people can digest it. And yeah. so I love that. I do a, um, I am involved in a homeschool tutorial and I got recruited. I, every year I say I'm retiring. Okay. Every year <laughs> I say I'm retiring. I've been doing it for going on. This will be my ninth year. And I pro I have put in my notice for this year. And then every year I go in at the end of the semester in the office, not in it crying and going, okay, I'll do it one more year because the students are so amazing. But Dave, you would love it because we have a whole segment. A lot of what we do is on improv. It's leadership and public speaking 
However, uh, improv breaks the ice. Mm -hmm. Improv, I mean, it's just like almost like a rap song. You know, when my son was growing up, I would throw out a couple words and he would have to rap a long time about those words until he had no more. He just exhausted all that. Well, I throw out improv. We do uh, like we have a basket and they have to reach in, pull out a topic and give a three minute speech on that topic. You know, nice. just like that, you know, drop of the hat because God is speaking all the time. Mm -hmm. all the time. He wants to use us. And the more that we do that, the more comfortable we get. Not we never ever want to get too comfortable, but the more comfortable we get with opening the mouth and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us, use us. And you mm -hmm. do that so well. I love the fact that not only are you doing all the comedy stuff, but you've got other things going on. You guys got a fundraiser going on right now, don't you? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, one of the... Uh things that I'm involved with and my wife is involved uh, as well is Royal family kids camp. And uh, it's under the umbrella of for the children. Uh, you can look them up at forthechildren.org. and Royal family kids camp works specifically with foster kids and brings them uh, to a summer camp where they're treated like kids and, and not a case number. They're not treated as labels as somebody that's got ADHD. That's got, violent tendencies has got this that or the other thing that they've been wrestling with their kids they come to camp they have fun they're celebrated uh they're they're covered with love and prayer and uh, the whole idea is to try to reach them and show them that they're made in the image of god and they're not the case number they're not the labels that are put on them and so with royal family kids camp my wife and i have served at two camps uh based out of our church and there are chapters all over. So my comedy team is doing fundraisers for three different chapters of Royal Family Kids Camp in suburban Chicago. Uh, the idea is that uh, we're ministering to people who need a laugh, especially after, you know, the last two years have not been fun for most people. Most people have had some sort of loss, whether it's job, whether it's income or just peace of mind. And so we want to minister to people through laughter and at the same time uh, afford opportunities for these camps to be successful for the kids. Um, so uh, as we're recording on Saturday, we had just done a show in Shorewood, Illinois, and we raised over $1,100 uh, that night. Um, and uh, so we're hoping to at least match that this coming Saturday on April 2nd, uh, fundraiser for RFK Orleans uh, Park, Illinois. And then the, the camp that my wife and I serve at is uh, Royal Family Kids Lockport. And that one's coming up at the end of a uh, April. And uh, so we've got uh, two more of these scheduled. And we're hoping to see people who need laughs uh, come out. And we're hoping that we can raise money to make these camps successful. Because especially with inflation and the cost of things, cost of insurances, the cost of materials, everything's going up right now. It's crazy. We make sure that these camps can be successful in reaching these kids and that no corners have to be cut. Yeah. Now, that said, when, when you're serving the Lord, it doesn't matter. The Lord can use what we have. But I like to make sure that, you know, the finances are there to make sure the camp goes well, that we know, don't have to turn any of the kids away. Because right. if you the funds, you can't say, because the kids and, and their foster parents or foster homes, they never have to pay a dime. Uh, we raise all the money. Uh, the kids come for free. Each counselor raises their money to go. Uh, so this is how I do it and uh, through the uh, the comedy. And um, also, I want to put out this note. If you are somebody in the Chicagoland area 
you and your family need a chance to go out and laugh for a bit, but money is an object, we'll make sure you can get to one of our shows. So we'll just reach out. If you or somebody you know needs that opportunity, um, we don't, you know, the, the comedy is a gift from God, so we don't want money to ever be an obstacle between a gift from God and, and the people that need it. Amen. That's so good. I love what you and Bobby are doing. That is so important. Imparting to the next generation there. I'm telling you, it is vital that we do that in this season and a camp experience can change a life forever. Yeah. So y'all listen, reach out to him. If you have questions about that, you want to sponsor a kid, you want to donate to that, or if you want to get it out to one of his shows and find out, follow him on all the social media platforms. I want to, I wanted to point out also you had, had been involved in salt in life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm real passionate about trafficking. And mm -hmm. uh, when I seen that, I was like, wow, Dave, yay, go, go to it. That's great. Talk a little bit about that and how that impacted you, maybe. Sure. Um, and that's another Holy Spirit thing. Um, my, my team was doing a fundraiser show for Salt and Light Coalition. And the whole evening, I felt prompted to share my testimony. Um, leading up to our slot in the, in the, uh, um, in the fundraiser. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's somebody here that is in the same situation, struggling with depression, thinking about possibly ending their life. So God's wanting me to give them, you know, drop some hope in their life so that maybe they don't do it. And maybe that was part of the purpose because, you know, God always has multiple layers to his plans and we never know all of the, uh, the details. So maybe there was someone there that needed to hear it and maybe, you know, that's something I'll find out on the other side of eternity. I don't know. But in sharing my uh, testimony, it really, um, it spoke to the lady that founded Salt and Light Coalition. Uh, Salt and Light Coalition uh, works exclusively with women who've survived sex trafficking. Um, they've escaped the lifestyle. They're trying to build a, a new life. Uh, many of them for the first time because some of the women that uh, have been sold into sex trafficking were sold as 9, 10, 11 year old kids because mom and dad needed their next drug fix. So they're sold at a very young age and uh, you know they spend years trying to just survive, trying to just make it to the next day. And so uh, Salt and Light Coalition works with them, helps give them job skills, uh, helps them uh, find a place to stay. Uh, helps advocate for them when they're trying to get their kids back because the kids have been taken away. And so these ladies are carrying all the normal burdens of trying to build a life on top of overcoming uh, traumatic experience and also overcoming the fact that many people look down on them because uh, at some point or another, whether it's by force or by just mere coping, many of them have uh, a drug addiction or you know a drug record. Uh, on their record. So that's part of the reason why they're struggling with their kids. So they've got, you know, un untold burdens, unimaginable burdens. So uh, Isabel, the, the founder of um, Salt and Light Coalition came up and said, Hey Dave, I really would like for you to teach improv to my ladies. And the idea was she wants me as a man to come in and, and you know, I'll never, I'll never not appreciate the value and, and the trust that was put in me to be a man, to come in and teach comedy to ladies that have survived sex trafficking. And I'm not there to teach them how to become performers at second city. The idea is to tap into the creativity that, uh, that has probably been dormant for many years to tap into their communication skills. And 
if nothing else, give them an hour to just laugh and forget some of the burdens that they're carrying. And I, you know, I go in and we just do basic improv exercises to tap into creativity, to develop communication, uh, to develop the ability to read nonverbal communication because, you know, all these kind of things are, are stunted, especially for the ones that were put in this lifestyle at a very young age. They didn't get a chance to develop normal communication skills. And it's just been a blessing. And if I never do anything else with comedy, this is the biggest thing that God has done is open this door to uh, to make me aware of the different things that are going on. And at the same time, pour into women that, that need, just need to see the love of Christ and see the, that there are men out there that aren't out to hurt them, that aren't out to use them and abuse them. So I... I am really blessed to be able to do that, and I will never um, underestimate the trust level that's being put in me to be able to do that. I love how God has opened up the doors for you at the right season for the right reason. These women really need that. And communication skills, they are stifled when there's trauma. Mm -hmm. And the level of trauma that they go through is is no joke, y'all. So listen, mm -hmm. I am just so, I want to personally thank you, Dave, for being sensitive to that because... A lot of times people don't know how to interact with people that have come out of such um, trials and trauma and they they would shut down. But yet you allow God to use you, use your gifts, your talents and the things that he's given you to be able to not only encourage them, but help them find out who they are. Because you're, you're finding out more about yourself as things come up and out of you. We're, we're constantly faced with all this junk because all stuck in us. And as it starts to come out, God can start to really move as our boo-boos are healed. And I bet that brought so much healing to those ladies, not only to do the improv, but to laugh. Yeah. And, and I talked earlier about, you know, seeing the countenance change and seeing the burdens literally break off. And there's been so many times where these ladies, they're carrying those burdens because people will see them, you know, they've got some, you know, for lack of a better term, they've got scarring from that lifestyle, whether it's um, physical scars or it's just their countenance shows that they've been through something, uh, the trauma. And so people will negate them, they'll judge them, they'll dismiss them. So they're coming in with all these judgments, all these burdens, all these fears, all these, what if the guy that that held me hostage for, you know, for this amount of years, what if he finds me? All this stuff. So they come into these uh, sessions um, and just to see the that crack up and that break off, Doing something simple and silly as a game like bi uh, Bippity Bippity Bop, which you know it's a game that we can sit and say the name and, and automatically we start to to, to laugh and to smile. Um, but we play this; it, it's a very simple, silly uh, game you can play with kids. Um, but to see the weight of the world fall off when they start laughing and start goofing off, it, it it's powerful and. Like I said, I, I'm just, I'm really blessed to be trusted with that opportunity. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, okay. So I, y'all, I met him on creative motion networks because of his podcast broadcast called gifts for glory. So what inspired you to start that? Um, in a word, God, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with the, the comedy team, we've been using uh hashtag OG our gifts for his glory. 
and it's just kind of a you know a driving force behind why we do comedy and a couple um i guess about three years ago or almost four i felt god saying you should do a podcast and i'm like i don't know i mean i got stuff i could say but i might run out of stuff and the guy's like no it's not about you saying stuff it's about you sharing stories uh he's like i already inspired you with argus for his glory why not use that as your podcast and it's like okay so i started uh you know trying to limp my way through and uh, like a, a man in a dark room trying to find the light switch of seeing what works, what doesn't work and how to make it, make it happen. Yeah. I just started sharing testimonies and interviewing people of, you know, all walks of life, uh, all different creative pursuits and asking them, how do they get into what they're doing? And then more importantly, hearing the why, what journey did, it, did you go on? What journey did God deliver you from? in order to get you here. And that's the purpose behind the podcast. It's just an extension of showing how God can use us no matter where we're at to hopefully inspire other people to step out into their gifts and also inspire people who are on the fence to realize, okay, God has a plan and he can use anything. uh, No matter what I'm good at, he can use it in a way that serves people and serves his kingdom. So it's kind of like I'm hoping to edify and encourage the body, but at the same time, I really would love for people to be moved by the stories to realize that God can redeem it all and that they would finally accept Christ. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because that's the thing that the Lord deposited in me, that he uses the good, the bad, the ugly. He uses all of our stuff. And there is the fact that you said, what what testimony did they come out of? Because everybody is going through something. Everybody has gone through something. And whenever we allow the Lord to take our, you know, our, our traumas, our, our past issues, our, our failures and mold that into something beautiful, um, then we can truly you know, throw up our hands and say, okay, God, I'll use me. Here I am. So I love it. Love it. Love it. So Dave, if you can leave the audience with the key, what would that key be? Uh, for me, the key is uh, the kind of the foundation of Argus for his glory. It's find your gifting, find your talent, find your passion and give it to God and see what he can do with it. Um, I had the idea when I moved back to Chicago after rededicating my life to the Lord, that I want to use comedy because it's what's comfortable. It's what I feel I'm good at. And it's like, yeah, exactly. I want you to use what you're good at and what I've gifted you with the ability to do. And and he wanted to redeem all those lost years to depression. And and also the skills that developed as a result of that. Because you know, I, I learned how to be sensitive to a room, sensitive to what people need, sensitive to... Um, what people might be going through, whether I or not, I know with a word of knowledge what they're going through, but I kind of had that instinct of knowing that there's something be below the surface. And if I could use my gift of comedy to alleviate some of that pain, then that's what I want to do. So my key is find your gifts and let God use them and, and hang on. Sometimes it's a crazy ride. It's, uh, there's often uh, people share that meme of the mom with the little boy on the roller coaster and little boys freaking out. And the mom is just, you know, having a great time. And that's kind of the picture of God taking us on this journey. <laughs> Sometimes we, we feel like we're freaking out. We're out of control, but God's 
God's got it under control. We just got to let him do it, trust him, and uh, see what he can do with the gifts, the talents, and the passions that we have. I absolutely love that. It is so important. Listen, I want you guys to make sure that you go over and follow him on all social media platforms. Go to the website, The Well-Versed Comedy. Uh, whoops, wrong one. There we go. Um, I thought I took that one out. There we go. The Well-Versed Comedy. And uh, Dave, tell them where they can reach out to you and all the locations where they can find you and how they can uh, know more about what you're doing. Yeah, um, the uh, the easiest way is social media. We're we're pretty busy on Facebook. Uh, you can find uh, at Gifts for Glory. Um, that's the number four. So at Gifts for Glory or at Wellversed CMDY, and that's uh, uniform across all of our social media at Wellversed CMDY because Twitter has like a limit of letters, so we had to compress it a little bit so that it could be uniform. Um, so at Wellverse CMDY or at Gifts of the Number Four Glory. And one thing uh, that I always leave whenever I share a little bit of my testimony is if there's somebody out there that's struggling, that's wrestling with depression, considering suicide, and you need somebody that's non-judgmental, that maybe is a complete stranger and you just need to kind of vent, uh, I'm that person that's available for you. You can email me directly, Dave at GiftsForGlory.com, Dave at GiftsForGlory.com. And just, you know, tell, you know, tell me about your situation. I'm not going to copy and paste a bunch of uh, predetermined scripture. I just want to walk through that valley with you. And I know from my experience, it would have been a lot easier to talk to a stranger than to somebody who might have, you know, have a reaction to your struggle. So uh, I just want to make myself available to anybody that's struggling. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Dave, for that. I, I appreciate that very much because there are people that are silently struggling mm -hmm. and it takes that one person on the other um, side of the Zoom call, the other side of the phone, any of that, uh, the email to that has been there and has come out on the other side. God wants to to restore, heal and reuse what you've gone through for his glory. So and I, that's why I love what you're doing, Dave. Thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, y'all, we'll see him. If he will agree, I'm going to have him back in September. And we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the whole depression piece. Because just because, um, you know, there's such a stigma involved with this kind of thing. And that causes people to not want to get help, not want to go to the Lord. They just feel so, you know, depressed means to depress you down. And so I want to, uh, with September being Suicide Awareness Month and Recovery Awareness Month, uh, it is very important to me to have those opportunities to bring people like Dave on the show where we can talk about it honestly, openly, and not have all of that stigma involved because it is for freedom. He set us free. Yeah. And you're your trip down the road with Jesus can literally change your life and to hear a testimony. And we got some of it today, but I want to go more in depth with that because I know that he's got some great nuggets and some things to share that will encourage you. So I want to thank you guys for watching the broadcast. We will see you here next time on keys to your best life. Dave gave us the key. Y'all find your gifts and go at it. Let God do it. Amen. <laughs> Bye-bye y'all.